0: Hey, everyone. This is Jocelyn, and welcome to this edition of LEAP. Joining me today is Johanna Conant. I hope I pronounced that right. Did I pronounce that right? Conant? Conant. You're Conant. close. I'm sorry. I <laughs> I should ask that before we hit record. Um, and Johanna is a body and mindfulness coach and a bow string instructor. Johanna, thank you so very much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here with you
0: absolutely and I, and I, I to, to really I always do this with all of my guests is talk about how we're connected in fact Johanna and I um, met just oh my gosh maybe a week two weeks ago we off, yeah in each other's world yet it's really funny that it's not funny because that's just how the world works how many people we have in common in our common circles and live what 20 30 minutes away from each other and some of my closest girlfriends are, are in, our, in our circle, and we just finally have met, so yeah.
1: I, so think, well, it was, I think it was inevitable that we were going to meet at some point, though, just it, with the way our stories intersect, and our, our circles, and our friends connect, so. Absolutely,
0: and and let's actually start there with the, the how our stories intersect, um, because that's really what we're here to talk about. And certainly, um, we'll talk about what what your body mindfulness coach is. What does that mean? But really, you know, what was your journey to even discover that as that's, that was your calling and that's your, that's your gift to share?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll, 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 I'm going to backtrack about five and a half years ago. I, um, I was in a pretty unsteady, unstable place in my life. And, um, I was drinking a lot, partying a lot, just really pretty aimless. It was no, it probably maybe looked like a midlife crisis from the outside. I'm not sure. But um, in the middle of everything, I had a little mole on my arm that kept changing size and shape, but I knew something was wrong. Was deep down inside, but it did not take the time to address it. And what I did was I just put a bandaid over it. And I had a best friend that was a nurse at, an, at a dermatologist office. She was like, Johanna, you need to go get that checked out. I'm like, I'll get to it. And for months I just put a bandaid over it, completely ignored it. And to be honest, that's what I was doing with a lot of things in my life, whether it was, um, (laughs) yeah, exactly. The metaphorical bandaid, um, you know, between the drinking and just constantly going and, uh, tuning out, sitting in front of Netflix for 20 hours and just, all the ways I was just avoiding looking at was what was really in my face. And so I finally get to the doctor. And in that time that I had been putting the Band-Aid over this thing on my arm, it had metastasized my lymph nodes. So I was diagnosed with stage three metastatic melanoma, which is a really aggressive and deadly skin cancer because it starts to invade, go to your organs and your brain. And so the next course of action was to do a year of treatment. And I begged, I pleaded, I was like, is there anything else I could do? Cause that did not fit my agenda. And I was petrified. And um, I was told that was the only option. So I did this year of treatment. And in that time, you know, I had this big crew of party friends. And as soon as I got too sick to hang out, you know, my life came to a standstill and all my friends' lives continued. And I felt really isolated in this whole process, but yet I continued to drink through it as well, um, just by myself. And so I went through this year of treatment and I had gotten back to being a therapist. I'd, previously I'd worked as a mental health therapist, gotten out of the field. And during that time I got back in, but I also had these side effects of this this treatment. I could barely write notes. i could I couldn't stay present with clients you know in sessions. I would just sit in the office and cry. And um, you know I, I was dealing with the, the health issues you know as a result of treatment. It was like basically having the flu for an entire year, but every day it just got a little bit worse. And so it was um, it was hard just to function you know, just to get through the day. So I finished this year of treatment. And you'd think you'd be like, finally, I'm done. You know, like I'm free of this thing. I can get back to life. But Mm -hmm. I really didn't know how to cope with life after that. I didn't have a support system. I didn't have people. Still didn't have any direction. If any, I had less. And um, so I started to drink more. And it progressed to the point over the course of a year and a half where I was drinking a bottle of tequila by myself at night. Um, I had gained 60 pounds. I was on 10 different medications and I had a whole slew of health issues like osteoarthritis, neuropathy, um, anxiety. I had uh, panic attacks and had gotten to the point where I was suicidal and I was really figuring out the best way to kill myself. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was, it was confusing because I had spent that whole year doing that treatment, fighting for my life. Yet, on the other side of it, I didn't even want to live this life when I was miserable and I was alone. I had like I could barely make ends meet. Um, and right around that time, I was um, plotting plotting my own suicide. I got connected with an old friend, and at this at this time I was living in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten connected with an old friend that I used to go out and party with and drink with. And at some point in my dark days, she had left that lifestyle and moved out to Denver. And we had, didn't really have any contact because our lives had gone such wildly opposite ways. There wasn't really any uh, common ground. But in that space, when I was in that really, really dark um, time, I was noticing her on Facebook. And I was like, she had all this joy and all this radiance, and i 'm like, no one 's really that happy i 'm like that 's not a thing like that 's not possible and I, I really felt like it was fake to, to an extent, but there was also this deeper part of me that was like, "I want some of that like what is that and i wasn 't really aware of that, and one day she like sent me a message on Facebook, we started messaging, and then we got the phone and she started to offer me different perspectives that felt really good, especially compared to the space I was in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, she offered to work with me as, as a coach. And I was a therapist, I was in the mental health field. I didn't have any understanding of the coaching world. I'm like, who needs a coach to do life? Like, what's a coach about? I'm like, that's kind of yeah. lame. So our, our stories, oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> I <laughs> Like, what is this? I even told my best friend, she's like, What? And she's like, She's your friend. She wants money to help you. Like, she wants you to pay her to help you. I'm like, I yeah, know, what is this? Well, needless to say, I invested, I, I jumped in with the coaching, and I didn't know what it was. Um, I didn't know how I was even going to pay for it at the time. I could barely afford groceries, but I jumped in because I I knew that something had to change, and this felt really good. So I jumped in and for me, it was the catalyst of this like major spiritual awakening. And for the first time in my life, I just started to like really see myself and love myself and started, I put down the bottle and I started to change the way I ate. And honestly, within three months, my life looked so wildly different. Um, Within three months, I weaned myself off all my medications I went into my oncologist, and he's like, what refills do you need? He had the pad out. I was like, I don't need anything. And he didn't seem very pleased by it.
0: Well, he's not making money off of that, so
1: yeah. (laughs) He was actually perturbed, and he had a student in with him. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm loving myself. I'm moving my body different. I'm eating differently. Um, I'm slowing down and taking care of myself. And he did not like that answer, but I, I never went back. I ended up canceling all my doctor's appointments. Um, And within that first three months, I lost 40 pounds. I got a new job. I was making 30% more than I ever had in my entire life. I paid off that six month coaching investment in the first three months. You know, right when I started, I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to come up with like even a third of that a month. And, you know, all just came together beautifully and my body healed. And what it did was it forced me to look at some really deep unresolved trauma and pain um, resentment that had been sitting in my body that I believe contributed contributed to um, cancer manifesting in my body. And um, so I went along this, this healing path, continued to work with my coach and, you know, really dig in and d- deepen this, this healing process because I had been a therapist helping people process their trauma, yet I hadn't even looked at mine. And I found that a lot of helpers and healers are so uh, willing to externalize and help, you know, help everyone else, but we have to turn that back in for ourselves. And so I had to look at these really dark, ugly places that I had not been willing to before.
0: Yeah. I'm going to take that one step further, though because I find this is, this is true for me. And I find this to be consistent with all of my guests is the traumas that we need to heal most for ourselves are actually the traumas and the reasons that we coach too. Mm -hmm. So it's duality. Every, and you probably can attest to to this as well, is every single client that I've worked with and I work with, they show up with their set of, things that they're working through, and there is always something in there for me too. So it's it's this duality. And and yet, and yet it's also imperative to be open to seeing that. And I think there's there's an integral difference between coaching and therapy. And I'd like you to talk about that because you come from therapy. I don't come from there. I have thoughts around therapy background, but I, I don't, I'm not a therapist by trade. So I'm curious to put that differentiator in.
1: Well, I found for me like in therapy, and I I started to notice something wasn't working, something wasn't right when people are in therapy for five, 10, 15, 20 years and have very little progress. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of it is we spend a lot of time cognitively processing everything. And there's so much wisdom, so many memories, so many experiences that are contained in our body. And we are whole person beings. So when we're sitting and processing things from the mind, there's a whole lot that we're missing and we can access what's within and go in deeper to spirit, to body and connect all of these pieces. Um, We have a more complete picture of healing. And I found too, therapy a lot of times has us sitting in our past kind of wallowing in our stuff longer than we need to. Um, And with coaching, I find there's more of a, uh, forward, you know, forward momentum. Where we're, you know, it's like this is where we're at now. We can look at the past and see how it shaped it, go in and do healing around that to move forward. But I don't believe that we need to sit in our stuff as long as. Uh, I think looking at that and seeing how it's impacting us now is is really effective. But for me, I started to have a different perspective because working in mental health and as someone who dealt with suicidality and uh, anxiety, panic attacks myself. I just said, this is who I'm going to be the rest of my life. I'm just an anxious person. And that's something about- You lay down the
0: scores and you just kind of give up.
1: Yeah, you're like, and they tell you, this is who you are. You fit this diagnostic criteria Mm -hmm. and learn coping skills, which really don't heal. They just help us cope. We're not really getting to the root. And they say, or this is the medication you take. And it just suppresses the symptoms. And that's what I was starting to learn was I like, I got off all these antidepressants I'd been on for almost 15 years and I was a therapist and I had the tools, um, but there was a component missing. And then I started to look at mental health very differently. And for me, it was like the anxiety and depression were um, emotions and feelings and experiences and expressions that had been really just suppressed and suffocated in me for so long that just needed a place to come out
0: and that's that. so we need to talk about disease and for you it iterated as, as cancer throughout your body disease disease is dis ease in the body literally that's the right how you break it up and what it what it comes to and i've had that for myself as well and i haven't had the metastasized but i've had injury right um because of environments that I've put myself in that were not in alignment with who I am. So with with disease, when you're compressing or suppressing or holding on to something that's no longer good for you, within you, your body's repelling it. Your body is literally creating a way to, that it's, it's hurting itself because you're hurting yourself.
1: That's why I look like the body's bringing it forward. And for me, that's why I look at cancer as the greatest gift that I ever got because it showed me where my wounds are that needed my attention. Yeah. Because we shove this stuff down, we're like, I'm good, I'm okay. Like this is just, you know, and we go about our ways and we don't, there's no completion. Because you know, when animals are in a traumatic situation or fight or flight, they run off and they like shake and they pant and they finish this whole process so it doesn't get trapped in their bodies they're moving the energy we just like have to like clam up and go back to school or go back to you know everyday life taking care of our families and just put on the smile and keep going and we don't give it is absolutely like so yeah for me that was cancer was my my greatest gift because it showed me like even down, honestly, down to, to where it was in my body and the type of cancer, because for me, it was on the right side of my body Mm -hmm. and the right side of the body is the masculine side. And for me, my work, and that's part of my coaching has been to soften into this feminine energy, this flow of life and like pay attention to the signs and trusting my intuition. And I was living in a way where it was my agenda. I was penetrating my way through life. Like all the signs I'm like I'm doing what I want um, really just forcing my way through life and um, so it showed me even there and then it's at like I I really I'm into the whole body thing and I never I had, had no connection with the body until my experience even with it being on my elbow elbow is joint it's where we change directions where we're flexible with you know the flow of life and so for me there was no changing directions. It was what I wanted, not what was best for me. So um, that's, you know, just also the, bo- I look at the body now as a, as our ultimate messenger. Like it's letting us know exactly what's going on in our inner world. And so we have a lot more control over what's happening with our health. when we look at it that way.
0: talk about that especially given the space that we're in now where we're home and we're we're you know we're faced with this international pandemic right so i'd love to learn a little bit about that and how how we can do some of our own healing
1: yeah and i think that's one of the limitations of like western approach to medicine is that um this is what you have this is the label for it this is your treatment. And this, this is what it is the rest of your life. Like it just happens to us and almost puts us in for me with cancer. I was like, I felt like a victim to it. Like, how did this happen to me? Mm -hmm. And the approach that I take is a much more empowered way of looking at it. Like, okay, this is what the body is telling us. What can we do to heal this? Like, let's really dig in and look at this. So when we look at the body being a messenger as to what's going on, it, it gives us a lot more control over what our health looks like. So if something's coming up in my body, I've gotten to the point where I can tune into my body and, and get into and like communicate with my body and be like, what are you trying to show me? Or it'll reveal itself. But we are I don't believe that we're ever just victim to anything that happens. And so we get to, we get to choose what our health looks like. And, you know, I see in this current situation a lot of um, really primal fears coming up about security and safety um, on, a, on a really, like, deep subconscious level that people might not even be aware of, but it's even reflected in the fact that everybody, like, went and bought up all the toilet paper, yeah. the root chakra stuff coming up, like... <laughs> Your ass. Oh, I, see. I have been wondering about.
0: But I didn't even put the equate of democracy. Content. You just put that in the world. Yes, and it, I, I see it as they get you know going to the stores and getting out into the world. Um, one of the things that I'm I'm really feeling and seeing is you go you go into a store and you've got the mask on and all you can see are eyes. Right, you can see eyes, forehead. You're not wearing a hat. You know whatever. But that's about what you can see if someone's face, yet yeah, our faces are so expressive. And yet, even with the eyes being open, people are looking away, not making eye contact. They're keeping really within themselves, and they're known as like self protection mode. And, you know, gosh, if you get stuck too close to somebody, they step away. And it's this, it's this really, for me, a very heavy set this level of disconnection. Like they've cut themselves off here. Now, I think a lot of people unfortunately don't live in this place of, of oneness and, and acknowledge it. We all live in it.
1: Yeah, and seeing this virus for what it really it. is. Huh? And, and they have a whole different perspective on this virus and what it really is too, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have this. I've had the same experience where it's, it actually like has saddened my heart to see people. And I know that's the like the tendency of humans is when they're afraid we contract, we constrict. I I look at how people are holding their bodies. So I do a lot of work with the body, this movement practice, postural postural alignment system. So I see a lot of this. And this is what we do. in fear, it's our natural way of protecting ourselves. Um, but you can literally feel the fear out there right now. And I I think that there's probably a lot of us who are not in the fear that are picking up some of what's in the collective though. Absolutely. I think
0: we're all, I think we're all picking up that, that collective, whether you're awake or not, there is that, that sensibility Um, because it just, it's a natural, it's a natural emotion. And, And so even, so even, those who are, are sort of just living in the 3D world of just kind of going about their daily business and, and watching the news and, and allowing it to sort of absorb into their being, um, they're living in that place of, of just, yeah, contraction. Um, and we're all, and we're all feeling it. So that, that's sort of why I, I mean, that was actually, I'll tell you a big proponent of why it was so imperative for me to get season two running again, like really up and running. Cause I was like, I felt, you know, I, for me, my acknowledgement was almost immediate. Like, I felt it for myself the day that I received my email saying, okay, from here on until we don't know when, um, we're all gonna be staying home. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? And that, like, I, I felt that wall, like, going up. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just connected from everything. And I, and I know, right? And I know that we are all connected. I have to lean into that. But I felt it immediately. I said, wait, this is a prime opportunity for people like myself, people like you, who are living in this world of light, who it's imperative that we get that message out, that, that we are okay.
1: Yeah, I've gotten really clear messages like through this that like my work, at my, I've just been doing a lot of uh, offering some free support too to people in the community because it feels so important for people to feel grounded and have really calm nervous systems. And yeah. to- how to build boost their immune system because a mask and gloves don't boost your immune system they don't heal your body like so it's like this interesting view that we have on health not to it. the western
0: western approach to, to medicine so i'm going to ask you for on, mm-hmm. a, on the contrary of that what are what are some ways that we can boost our immune system
1: well, and one is, one is a little contrary to um, what we're allowed to do. I honestly, myself, have continued to go out and be out in nature and connect with the earth, get fresh air, get sunshine, move my body. Um, movement's critical right now to keep energy moving and to keep our bodies open, because especially for moving mindfully, and this is a, the, the practice bowspring that I teach, is keeping our bodies open and receptive. And for those of us that are are sh- are showing up and in contribution right now, um, we need we need like there's opportunity. You've you've experienced it. This is part of the reason why we're here now is these opportunities are coming up for us to serve. We yeah. need to have our bodies open. Um, and then honestly, if you keep your body open and moving, you're if you're you're safe. Si- because if you're open, you're signaling to your body that you're safe. That's going to keep your your whole nervous system relaxed. Um, another key piece is what we eat. Like yeah. what food are you putting into your body? Because 90% of our gut, our, our immunity is determined in our gut. Yeah. So gut health is one of the most important things that I teach because that's where all the bacteria is that determine, um, how, how strong our immune system is. So watching what foods you eat. So I'm a little baffled, when I see people driving around with their masks on, leaving Donald's drive through I'm like, that, that doesn't no, no, no.
0: But so I'm going to just to counterpoint that, is that's where people feel for, you, that's, that's a comfort that people are going after right now. And I, I, I don't think it's healthy. I agree with you. I mean, to go like this and then to stuff your face with processed foods that make your body feel Really, if you start to acknowledge and, and really get in tune with your body, those are the things that feel horrible. So, like, you know, my sister is a holistic health coach, and she just launched another sugar detox through her practice. and She did a free offering this time around. And, and you know, she had a massive, massive class because there, there are people, you know, when, first of all, she's attracting people that are acknowledging the difference. Of what it is when you put something, how you, what you put in your body, what you choose to put in your body, and the effect of it. And she, she just had a very large class sign up because yeah, we're yeah. in the space. And yet we also have this the counter of that is, I, I personally like I have a lot of friends who are, are athletes, and you know they'll go out for a bike ride or whatever, and the, the, there's that social piece of afterwards you you have a beer or a couple of beers. So obviously the the riding together and the drinking afterwards is is not necessarily happening in in group format. Yet a lot of them have, have shared with me like, Oh, I'm really not drinking right now. Hmm. I'm riding more and I'm realizing I don't really need the alcohol. The alcohol was like a social piece, but right now when I don't have that social aspect, it's falling away. And yet you also see the other side of it. And I haven't been paying attention to the beer sales alcohol sales in particular, but like, you know, I think there's other people that are rising to that because that's a coping skill. Again, that's the coping of the, the therapy versus the healing of the coaching of getting to the root, digging that out and making space for something that's nourishing.
1: I love that you, that you said that, and that really connects with what you said about what we consume referring to food. And there's so much, so many more ways we can nourish our body. And part of what it, I like to teach people to watch is watch what you're consuming, not just food, but where is your time and your energy going? Because if you're sitting in front of the news or in Mm -hmm. front of the TV all day, you are like wiring your body for more fear. And I don't think a lot of people realize that their need to be informed or to always know what's going on is really feeding into this addiction to adrenaline. Yeah. And so watching even what relationships you put your time and energy into, they impact how your body feels, and that's going to impact your immunity. Because if you're sitting in front of the news while you eat dinner, your body's in fight or flight because you're perceiving whatever's on the news because nothing on the news is, puts your body into rest and digest. It is designed to create fear. And so if your body is in fight or flight while you're eating, your body's not going to absorb the nutrients the way it needs to it's going to hold on to food. You're going to end up holding on to weight. You're not going to have energy. And then you're not like, it's going to impact your, your gut health, which is where your immunity lies. So one of the biggest things I've been telling people through this is watch what you consume, whether it's your food, um, the, the people that you're talking to, connecting to, and what you're watching, what's coming in.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm going to take you even a step further beyond that too, because I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Um, it, it's also it's your Instagram, it's your Twitter, it's your it's your social media. It's actually just literally, honestly, being in front of your computer or in front of your phone. I know. So you you talked a little bit about your journey and and you were know, smiling through it because it so resonated with me. You know, my although my journey was a bit different. You know, mine was through leaving a marriage and choosing me for the first time and working with a coach and, and for the first time and same thing like. I was at this precipice of, do I work with a business coach or a life coach? Because my life just felt like a total mess. But business is what I understood. Life is like, I, I don't get what a life coach is. Like, it just didn't. Yep. However, I've been in therapy for many years and said, well, therapy, I, I still seem to be in these repeat patterns and I'm not making progress. And I never felt like I was moving anywhere or getting anywhere. And the life coaching, it was revolutionary for me in three months, how much my life had changed. One of the things I did with that, two things that were pivotal for me, one, is I stopped looking at my phone. I actually, there were days when I didn't have my child when he was with his father. I turned my phone off. Mm. I turned it off. Like, who who does that in this modern world, right? I know that sounds revolutionary, (laughs) yet I will tell you, I know lots of people that do that these days because I've changed the environment of the people that I'm with and that felt so healthy because I I was I found myself in the morning like waking up and looking at my text messages and I'd see like I didn't have any because I just moved here and I really didn't have any social connections here and it made me feel worse I was like I feel even more disconnected and I was like wait a minute why am I what am I looking for outside of me the answers aren't outside of me the answers are in here so turn this off and then I started documenting my journey very publicly on Facebook. And it wasn't, it wasn't for people to feel badly for me or to feel good for me or be a champion for me. It was part of me embracing my own uh, vulnerability mm-hmm. and being okay with not being okay. Because I wasn't really feeling okay. And what I found was I was just building my own inner inner being. And then people started reaching out and saying, and then sending their friends to me and saying, she's doing it. Go follow me. Go ask Jocelyn what she's doing. I love it. <laughs> that was the, that was my revolution and you had yours, but that was, I mean, those of things. So like, I agree with you about what we choose to nourish and put in, put around us. I think it's absolutely imperative. And even, and I say even more so now, and I, I, I'm gonna actually even contradict myself in that very moment, in this very moment. Yes, right now, it feels a little more imperative to do, yet I think that's something that we need to
1: do all the time. Absolutely. That's what I like to teach um, self-care rituals that are really self-love rituals for people to plug in through their day and I think it's really imperative right now to have these because it gives us a center, a grounding, something to come back to and a place to come back to ourselves throughout the day. And it's they're, they're all really nourishing and juicy and feel really good, but they're also support like our body's natural detoxification systems and our own body's processes. Um, but I feel like more than ever, and the one thing I like about rituals and having these nourishing pieces to come back to is that um, I just totally lost my train of thought. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, but it does create a sense of safety when we have something that we do every day. It lets our body and our mind be at ease because we know what to expect, and we have to expend less energy into figuring out what we're about to do. And it just starts to create a rhythm to our life. But um, so I'm, a, and they also serve as a gauge. Like, okay, I do this every morning. Then if you notice for a couple mornings that you're not doing this routine it's like, okay, what's going on? What do I need to look at? Like what's gotten in the way? And it just, it can be a really uh, helpful way for us to gauge where we are and what's going on and where our priorities are. So like some of them are like uh, self-massage with oil. It's an ancient Ayurvedic practice. And it's like, you massage yourself with oil. I mean, how nourishing and how grounding is that? But it's also- how lovely is that? But it's You're
0: also- You care of yourself
1: yeah like you're you're soothing your nervous system and i teach people how to do it in a way where you're also stimulating your lymphatic system to drain all the the toxins and everything that it that needs to leave your body out and stimulate your digestive system and so you get all these beautiful pieces for it and like for me i do it before bed at night it's a signal for my body that it's time to go to sleep and just plugging in these things every day that might feel like luxuries, but they're actually, you know, essential for us to feel amazing for our bodies to work properly. And even if we don't feel like we love ourselves in that moment, just taking that time to have that ritual and to take, you know, do that action for us is a reminder to us of how much we actually really do love ourselves. And even if we're not feeling it in the moment, our body receives it as love. So yeah.
0: So how then did you discover some of
1: these things for yourself? Um, couple of things that I did, like some of this, a lot of it was introduced to me by my coach. Like she just like, you know, check out this book. This was impactful for me. And I was about, I think it was about four months into this whole awakening process. And I was like, I was just started to really connect with my body. And I knew I wanted to start eating differently, but I didn't know what. I just had this like longing and I'm like. I didn't eat vegetables. I was like heavy meat eater. I had no intention of becoming a vegetarian, but I got introduced to Ayurveda through this uh, Perfect Health by Deepak Chopra. And at the beginning, there's a little blurb about um, a patient that had advanced stage melanoma, and he had like healed his life through Ayurveda, and that drew me in. I'm like, I wanna know more. I started reading this book. I read the whole book in one night and I was in tears and Ayurveda resonated so deeply with me because I could see where, like, I grew up and I hated salad and I got, I was at the dinner table my entire childhood because I could not eat salad. Well, I found Ayurveda. You created created a story around that. Yeah. You created a block around that. Oh, it was like, yeah. I mean, that was like and I found ways around it and sneak and go flush it in the toilet or whatever. So I didn't have to eat it. But when I found Ayurveda and it, it looks at each body, each person um, through this mind body constitution and just get like gives us a general guideline of how to live according to our mind body type specific to us, which in Western medicine, we have this one size fits all. And it doesn't, it doesn't account for the differences and the nuances between each of us and I found this system. And I was like, cooked, our raw veggies aren't good for me. I was like, oh, I wasn't supposed to eat salad anyways. It wasn't, didn't work for my body. Um, but Ayurveda just, it, it gave me some structure and some guidelines of how to start to create balance in my life and to start to sync with nature and how to, um, listen to my body, you know, as to what it needs. So I started delving into Ayurveda and that, completely shifted the course of my life and um showed me how to love myself in new ways and you starting to use all my senses and noticing what resonates with my body and um and then in the meantime my coach was introducing me to bowspring this like really weird looking yoga mm-hmm. and i hadn't really no no connection with my body i used to lift a lot of weights Now going for my PR, going hard, but I had no, I wasn't familiar with any mindful movement. And if Mm -hmm. I ever did yoga before that, it was to like, like I'd go to hot yoga so I could like tone up real quick or lose a couple pounds. There was no connection. And I started this practice and it felt so weird to me. Um, But I started to notice massive changes really quickly. And... I was learning via Zoom um, from Ohio, you know, Ohio to Denver. And I started coming out here to do some deeper dive practices with my coach to get into my body. And the deeper I got into this practice, I started to have these like mystical experiences. And I noticed that I was starting to trust myself more. I was able to tune into my body And I would have, and honestly, it helped me move through my trauma so much more quickly because I had, um, years of sexual abuse, domestic violence, rape that, um, I had not addressed. I had, you know, I could talk about them, but once I started to get into the body and the beautiful thing about this practice is, um, it's really curvy and fluid and dynamic and we pulse, there's no straight lines, no static. It's, it's very feminine in that sense. But what it does is it opens up the fascia. We have this connective tissue that uh, connects our bones, our organs, our joints, um, every cell in our body. All of our organs are made of it. And when we can get into this tissue and open it, this is where our consciousness is contained. This is where we, you know, where we hear the body keeps the score um, you know, body is the trauma stored in our body. It's in this tissue. And so when we get into this tissue and release it, we can release lifetimes of patterns. Um, we can tap into ancestral, you know, trauma that's been passed down. I know I'm currently doing healing for this whole feminine lineage of mine on both sides of my family. But for me, it'd be interesting because I'd be in my practice and these just these memories and these like sensations and smells and, everything from my past would come back, but it would just open me up in a way that I could um, process it on such a deeper level. And what it did is I started to bring awareness to parts of my body that I never even thought of, like my back ribs. Who thinks about their back ribs? I'm thinking about it right now, but honestly, no, I don't. <laughs> I mean, i don't like, yeah, because
0: you brought it. to right. <laughs>
1: right. This whole practice, what it does is it, It like literally brings awareness to your fingertips, to the tips of your toes. Um, And the whole premise of it is to really keep our awareness in our rib cage, expand our rib cage front and back and make it really light. But what it's doing is it's bringing us into our heart space. It's expanding the space, our capacity for love in this physical form, but it translates energetically, emotionally. And so one of the things I love about this practice is we live in a society where we spend a lot of time sitting. We're tuned out, we're on our phones, heads down, back of our bodies have no engagement, aren't involved in the game at all. So this practice really strengthens your back body. And the fascinating thing is, you know, I shared earlier, like different parts of our body correlate with different aspects of who we are or, um, you know, like the masculine, the feminine side, well, our back, our back body is where we put those things that we don't want to look at. The parts of us we don't want to see, the shame, the things we want to hide from others. That's why there's so many back problems in this country.
0: And why we carry when well, we talk about carrying weight. And, and I'm not talking about physical weight, I'm talking about the emotional weight, where you feel that. You, first of all, when you think about carrying weight, I think I often consider shoulders and back as where you carry weight because that's where your strength is yet we can, we can have that emotional removal.
1: Absolutely. And this practice allowed me to tap into that. I had no idea about the whole mind body connection. Like it was so weird for me, but I noticed as I started to bring awareness, like to my, we call it in this practice, we call it the back heart, like the back of our heart, the dark heart. And this is like our shadow. These are the parts we don't want to look at. So we literally start to bring our awareness, our breath into this space. And it allows us to bring these parts of us that we don't want to look at, bringing them to light. And so that's where we, when we strengthen the back body, we are turning these, these, you know, our pain points into our point of power. And that's what I was able to do with all these experiences that I've been through is really look at them through a lens of compassion, through my heart in a really loving way and do some deeper healing and turn those things into exactly why I'm doing the work that I'm doing now and helping other people move through them. So um, for me, like the body has been the biggest tool and just learning how to, um, like I said earlier, keep my body open because yeah. a lot of times we close off because we've we needed to, to protect ourselves, um, to feel safe. But in, the me- in this in the meantime, this is where all of our feelings are, our organs are, everything like intuition, Think about it. If you're sitting hunched over, you're closing off the very center of your being. You're closing off your heart. So the more open we can stay, the more we can feel, the more of life we can experience. Um, We're open to more love, more opportunities. And for me, my biggest work was trusting myself. And it took all these events and these pieces coming together of me moving out here and just trusting this really, clear divine guidance that didn't make sense to me, me to come out here. And had I not been able to tune into my body and to like have that knowing and that feeling, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. And I want to jump back. Cause you, you shared that with me that you came out for a, I think to, to take a look
0: at yoga retreat. Yeah. yeah. Talk about that. Cause, and then what's transpired as a result.
1: Yeah. So this was about a year and a half, like, after this awakening process and I was, I still was doing my therapy job and I actually was making more money than I'd ever made was making in my entire life. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I was really scared to jump into the whole like coaching thing full time. And I just, I didn't see myself like I was in that mindset. Like I need to know more. I'm not quite ready. You know, it's just that trepidation of stepping away from something you do know into something that feels a lot bigger and unknown. And through my my experiences of coming here to Denver and doing these deeper dives into Bow Spring with my coach and everything, I knew I was going to live here. But I had a plan to get here around 2022, which was a few years off, but I felt like I had to have my business in a certain place, and I just need to have all these things lined up before I could move out here. Mm-hmm. So I came to a retreat in Manitou Springs in November of 2018, and I was registering and I picked up a flyer for the Hanuman Festival in Boulder in the middle of June. It was just on the table at the desk. And it wasn't me consciously saying it. I just blurted out and I was like, I think I'm supposed to live here by then. I'm like, oh, wait, where'd that come from? I'm like, ah, like body, yeah, yeah. You know, Like that wasn't my choice. So I was like, okay, like this is seven months away. Like, I don't know how this looks. So I went to this retreat There was like 15 people there and they were all new to me and most of them lived here. So I went in, I was like, I'm going to live here by June. They're like, awesome. We'll see you then. We can't wait to hang out. I'm like, how is this going to happen? Like in my head, I'm like, okay. Couldn't see how. And, um, I get, I'll go back to Ohio and a couple months pass and I start to feel that little nudge. I start, you know, I recognize what it is more and more. I didn't take any steps. And then I, just all these pieces started to fall into place where it was very clear. Like I ran into an old neighbor who was like, you need to get your house on the market right now. The market's, you know, you know, getting a lot better. And he's like, I got a little more money for my house. And I thought, and he's like, you need to find a realtor that knows the neighborhood. I'm like, cool. Noted. Don't really have time for that. And then a week later, I run into another neighbor who's like, I just met a realtor who just sold three houses on our block. I'm like, oh,
0: okay, give okay, me the universe, that. got it.
1: Okay. <laughs> you know, all these pieces just fell into place so beautifully. And I had the opportunity to bring my job out here because I was working remotely from home. And I knew in my head that was a, I was really the universe setting me up for this transition to being an entrepreneur. But um, I had the opportunity to bring my job out here with me for this move, and I knew that was a safety net. And I wouldn't be able to do what I needed for my business had I needed to spend eight hours a day at home, you know, doing my full-time job. So I left my job, sold my home. And it was interesting because in March of last year, when I was like, my house was getting ready to go into contract, I told myself, I'm going to know exactly where I'm supposed to live in Denver. And you know when you go to visit a city, you don't know all the neighborhoods and how it's laid out. But I was like, I'm gonna know where I'm supposed to live. That was pretty bold for me to like, just trust that. And this place just jumped out at me intuitively. And I'm just like, this is where I'm supposed to live. So I called and I you know, put the deposit down and you know, signed the lease and got everything taken care of. And um, it's a new build. And so two days before I was supposed to leave Ohio, you know, I'd already moved out of my house said goodbye to my job, the apartment complex called this place. And they said that it won't be ready for two more weeks. And I was like, well, okay. I was like, I can't stay in Ohio for two more weeks. I'm just going to come out to Colorado and wing it. So my first night here, I come out, my friend introduces me to someone. I end up falling in love with this guy, when I was not looking for. But he was leaving the state for the rest of the month and gave me his home to stay at. He's like, can you stay at my house and watch my chickens the rest of the month? I'm like, yeah, because I have nowhere to live. This is awesome. (laughs) So gave me a place to live. And in this time, uh, the apartment fell through for like six weeks. This went on to the middle of July. And all my friends were like, Johanna, you need to find somewhere else to live. I'm like, no, this is it. And I felt batshit crazy for being so adamant about being at this place. There's tons of other places to live here. Mm -hmm. So finally get here middle of July. And I had, you know, I came out here and just jumped into entrepreneurship full time in a brand new city across the country, which in retrospect, I'm like, who does that? And like cost of living is twice as much here, but there was no fear around it. It just felt so divinely guided. Like it was just so clear. This is what I was supposed to do. It didn't feel scary. And In the meantime, you know, I was like homeless, kind of homeless, you know, for like six weeks. Finally get into this place, I'm settled in, I'm like, this is perfect. And I'm adopted and I'd slowly been connecting with my biological family in Ohio over the last couple years. And once I got out here to Colorado, my biological father reached out to me. We had messaged back and forth and um, they're all in Ohio. And I asked him, I said, do I have any siblings? He's like, well, you have two brothers, but they don't know about you. One, he, he goes, and he goes, I'm estranged from both of them. I just left it alone. I'm like, okay. Well, a month after I get into this place, I get a Facebook message from this guy saying, hey, a guy, I didn't know who he was, saying, hey, my grandparents just emailed me and told me that I have a sister here in Denver. I feel like we should meet. And I'm like, okay. He's like, um. I I'm like, I don't have any answers, but let's meet. So- we were really excited to meet each other and we met a couple days later and um, we just clicked. We just loved each other. It was just this immediate connection. And I grew up, my adoptive family was evangelical Baptist and they haven't understood my path. And I've had to peel back layers from that. And there's been a lot of judgment. And so to meet this family, to meet someone that I looked like, which I you know, I haven't been around anybody that I even look like, and just to have this immediate, deep like soul connection, was unreal and so we just clicked we just loved each other we're like this could have gone either way and um he had walked to where we were meeting and I gave him a ride home and it turns out I live five streets away from this amazing brother so this place I chose six months before from Ohio strongly that you had to be in yeah and all these things are like telling me to to you know jump ship go another direction like no this is it Landed me right by this amazing family that that literally it blows my mind and I cry I'm I emote like I am very expressive with my tears just joy gratitude throughout the day and with this situation I couldn't I didn't even cry for like three months because it, I just was in such d- disbelief but what it did was it just really can and it really just confirmed for me that I can truly trust myself trust my intuition. That has been my work. Um, so for me, that was that ultimate, like you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And there's just been beautiful confirmation along the way. And, you know, it's been kind of scary, you know, you know, there's been moments where it's been scary, you know, as an entrepreneur jumping in full time and, you know, with everything going on right now, I I am so grateful that I'm here right now doing this work because what I'm doing and what I can offer people, you know, through connecting with their bodies and learning how to nurture themselves and how to create health and um, really just soften and trust themselves, feels so relevant. And I don't know that I could be doing the level of work that I'm doing and maybe reaching the same people had I stayed in Ohio. Um, So. Um, every this just all feels so divinely orchestrated in every sense so
0: I am so glad that we've come to this point because we're going to be wrapping up this conversation yet I think just it's a beautiful weaving of how you really did lean in and trust or maybe sat back and trusted that's more what it is sat back and trusted because look at what has unfolded and opened up as a result of you just doing that. And that's something that I I feel so strongly about with every conversation I have in the show is that we are are, all brought into this world, into this time with a purpose and with a mission. And it's a choice of whether we decide to really peel back those layers and really get to dig in and dig into the dark places. Cause those dark places are where the healing is most. And then to translate out and say, okay, these are sharing my story is going to heal somebody else. And that's going to heal somebody else. And that's going to heal somebody else. And that ripple effect that comes that we get to create this more spacious and open and delicious way to live because it's there it's always been there always and yet we walk with and I still do it I'm not going to say that I'm you know I still I have a lot more to learn I've learned a lot and I have a lot more to learn oh, yeah yeah <laughs> and, we, learn, and we, we kind of walk around sometimes like this like we see part of it keep stepping in keep stepping forward
1: you know, one of the things I, I used to say on this whole process of like moving out here was because I was just so, you know, I was so deeply present. I think part of it is we get to tune into more of that magic the more we stay present. But I would say, let my eyes be open to the magic that's right in front of me.
0: Oh, because I love that.
1: It's always there. Are we just willing to slow down and to pause and take the time to notice and take it in? So that, that just like I was telling that story last night. Um, yeah. I use that little phrase and all the magic that's come out of it. Yeah, always available to us.
0: Yeah, Johanna, thank you so very much for joining today. What a beautiful story! And I'm so grateful that I get to see have you in my inner circle. It's just such a wonderful, magical place.
1: I feel so blessed and so grateful. It's like this this family, this soul family that I have in just what I've been here 10, almost 11 months. Like, I feel like I've been here for years and it's just like, I feel so blessed to have friends in the, the community that I have here.
0: Home. we home.
1: Really. My soul is home. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Jocelyn.